With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. As always, we have your co-host, Matt and Vitor, here as well. This week, we are going to be continuing our position preview series, uh, jumping off with the wide receivers. First up, we are going to head off to the top of the depth chart, which is going to be Corey Davis, your new ex-receiver signed in free agency this season. Matt is going to take him on. We're just going to jump right into the breakdowns. we got a lot of receivers to talk about, so the sooner we get going, the better, guys. Matt, take it away. Hey, hey, hey. All right, so a lot of... You know, talk has been going on with Mims and Moore. They're getting all the attention in the wide receiver room. But in the end, there's still question marks, right? All we have with them is projection. With Davis, we sort of know what we're getting. With Davis, we know we now have, you know, a more reliable and steady wide receiver. One of the most reliable and steady guys that we could probably say we've had in a very long time. Uh, and Davis is uh, very good at a lot of things, uh, but also a master of none. Uh, in the end, this probably puts a cap on his production. I mean, he's never broken a thousand yards. Uh, he's never gotten more than five receiving touchdowns in a season. These numbers aren't going to jump off the page as impressive. What we get in Davis is a well-rounded weapon, though, and he can be used a lot of different ways. We can line him up as the X, Y, or Z receiver. We can even line him up as a tight end. He's a movable piece. And uh, he's very valuable to a creative mind like LeFleur. His biggest strengths are his dependable hands, his route running. And he does very well getting DBs to bite where he wants them to get, where he wants them to bite. And he gains leverage. And he knows how to use it too. And he uses his hands, his feet, and his body in unison to make these routes very smooth and fluid. His, big, his hands are big and strong. Uh, as well, to make all these great uh, contested catches. You can see him lining up and going over the middle without any fear and making snatches in midair with uh, heavy coverage on him. Uh, he, ha- he has a contested catch percentage of around 60%. This puts him around the top five in the league in this category. That's extremely, extremely impressive. And I think that's going to come in handy with a rookie quarterback who's probably not going to be, he's going to be throwing into uh, tighter windows. So these contested catches are something that we're going to need to come down with. And, and Davis is a champion in this realm. Uh, I mentioned earlier that he could even be lined up as a tight end. Uh, this wouldn't happen if coaches didn't trust his strength and ability as a blocker. He routinely mm-hmm. uses good t- technique to take out safeties and corners in run support. He's even been known to take out a defensive end from here and there. Uh, of course, Davis's upside in our offense is through the roof. Quarterbacks tend to lean on guys that are most dependable. And there are very few, few receivers out there that are as dependable as Davis. What do you, what say you guys? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think definitely when you were looking at free agency this season, uh, the head guy was Kenny Galladay and he signed for a lot more money than Davis did, uh, to go play, uh, in the same stadium, funny enough. But when you factor in age, when you factor in, uh, fit in the offense, what the jets were looking for specifically, I think he's the perfect fit. I think he's your, you know, is he the most amazing number one X receiver in the NFL? No, but he's really, really good. And he's really consistent, really solid and really good at what the jets are going to ask him to do. And that's deep over routes. That's deep post routes. That's, you know, play down the boundary and block your ass off in the run game. And, you know, he fits, he fits all of that perfectly. He's not going to amaze you with his speed either, but that's Mm -hmm. not exactly his strength. 
like he'll he'll work you. He'll 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 take right. these DBs and put them in a mixer, and he'll wind up getting open somehow. Uh, he's not going to amaze you with his with his speed though. Nah, he's a great route runner for his size, and that's a plus for him. But mm-hmm. there are two things that he has proven he's good at that the Jets will need him to continue to be good this year. Catching passes over the middle on play action passes, right? Some play yep. action digs on first down to so get cycles and go in early in the game. Corey Davis will be the target of this place. And he needs to be a key blocker and continue to be a great blocker, as Matt pointed out. I could see the Jets trying some sweeps, some leads with Corey Davis cracking on defensive ends, mm-hmm. letting, you know, Mikai back and pull out, George Fan pull out. So we, we don't have two great tight ends right now. I have Chris Herndon, who, you know, in the end, question mark on him, and Tyler Croft, who isn't great either. So I could see the Jets moving him inside a bit, utilizing him to down block defensive, def- defensive ends. You know, he could be a guy that, the Jets may move around in the formation to fit what they're doing on each play. LaFleur yeah. is probably licking his chops, thinking about what he could do with Davis. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. It makes, uh, it made total sense when they signed him as a fit in the offense. I think uh, the other thing is that he's young and that he has room to grow as well. This is a free agent that, you know, is hitting the end of his rookie contract and just hitting free agency. I'm pretty sure he's only 26. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, this is a guy that can grow with your offense. This isn't, you know, veteran free agent that's going to come in and play two years and be gone, which, you know, speaking of a quick transitions, as it happened this morning, uh, quick aside, Julio Jones replaced Corey Davis today with the trade from the Falcons to the Titans. And before we get into it, we'll get into this more at the end. Corey Davis is a guy that can grow with the team. Julio Jones would be really, really good, but in two years, he's going to be gone. Yeah. Yeah. True. I mean, yeah, we, we've got a, a piece that yeah, he's, only, he's only 26 uh, right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you, you can, we, we can keep him for a while and, and be very yeah. happy. And he was on pace for 1K last year. He only played 14 games. He was on pace to get 1K yards last year. You know, I think he'll be a 1,000 receiver this year at the Jets. Yeah, I agree. I agree. From uh, a veteran to a second-year player, that is going to take us into Denzel Mims, who I'm going to cover. Um, and Denzel Mims has been one of my favorite players for a long time, going back to when he was even a prospect. He was one of my red stars, which is, you know, guys that you just absolutely want to bang on the table and fall in love with. That was Denzel Mims in the receiving group for me. Uh, I actually had him in the first round of my final mock that year. I had him going to the Minnesota Vikings. That granted, Justin Jefferson was off the board, but that's a separate argument. Um, but no, I've always been a huge Mims fan. Uh, I love what he can do um, at the catch point. I love how he's basically never covered. And if he's on the boundary, just put it within a country mile and he's going to find a way to come down with it. Um, I love his explosiveness, which I think is really underrated. And to highlight that point, I want to make a comparison and, you know, a a pretty poignant comparison. Actually, I want to compare the combines of Denzel Mims and Julio Jones because they're scarily similar. Like, really, really down to the number sometimes. They are scarily similar. So I'm going to read off these numbers. The first numbers I'm going to read off are going to be Julio's. Second ones are going to be Denzel's. In terms of 40, Julio had a 4-3-4. Denzel had a 4-3-8. In terms of 10-yard split, Julio had a 1-5-0. Denzel had a 1-5-4. In terms of bench press, Julio had 17 reps. Denzel had 16 reps. In terms of vertical leap, they both jumped 38.5 inches. In terms of broad jump, Julio was at 135. Denzel was at 131. In terms of three cone, Julio was at 666. Denzel Mims was at 666. After that, there's a couple of drills that Denzel didn't participate in, but those are dang near identical combine performances from Julio Jones and Denzel Mims. Granted, Julio Jones had about 15 pounds on him in terms of weight, which is why he's the physical freak that he is. But let's not forget the athlete that Denzel Mims is, too. This is a full-blown athlete at receiver with size, with speed, with leaping ability, with agility. A 6.66 three-cone is really, really good. And I think people don't think Denzel Mims is that good of a route runner or that he can get in and out of breaks, but he really can. And I think he is going to really, really flourish in this coming offense with Zach Wilson as his quarterback, especially on back shoulders. 
because Zach Wilson has made a living off the, the we'll, you've seen it every time you watch Zach Wilson's tape. It's the play action from the pistol stretch. And I'm going to throw this to Dax Milne down the boundary and he's going to adjust back shoulder. Just replace Dax Milne with Denzel Mims and replace BYU with New York. It's going to be the same stuff. And it's, I, it's, I can't wait to see it happen because I think this couldn't have been a better match between quarterback and receiver for Zach Wilson to go into on top of Corey Davis, who fits that mold too. But young guys that Zach Wilson can grow with and have chemistry with for the future. I think Denzel Mims is, is the, the name to watch that is not getting talked about enough. I yeah. Think, you know, I, I really have fingers that Andrew about the back shoulders and the boundary, but when I studied Denzel Mims this off season, I felt like he could run his routes faster. You know, I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. the same, yep, yep. but I was like, just run it full speed. Some of the times I think, he lacked some sense of urgency. And I do think mm-hmm. his coaching staff will work with him. You know, Miles Austin, everyone says he's a good wide receiver coach. So I'm looking for Denzel. You know, he I think he'll blossom into a number one wide receiver in this league. I see a Agreed. lot of Kenny Galladay in him. I see some Julio. You know, I could see what you're talking about from an athletic standpoint. Mm-hmm. I, would like to, I would like to see full speed running routes, new releases. He only speed releases. Like, when you see the corner, yeah. you just go to the outside. He, tr- you know, it's like he trusts his wingspan and his athleticism so much that he's just like, "Hey, I'm gonna run with this guy and get the ball," you know. But he needs to stack more the, the defensive backs, and this is those are some skills that Corey Davis has in his game, right? You know, so Davis is a guy that can come to Denzel and say, "Hey, Denzel, that's how I do. That's how I run a nine route. That's how I stack DB. This is a release that I use that helps me get in open." I feel like Mims in the back half of the season may be Zach Wilson's best friend already. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree, and I, I couldn't agree more. I saw the same exact thing. It, nothing in his tape on last year says that he ran a four three eight. I saw a receiver that struggled mightily to get separation on nine rounds. And he, he had to rely on those back shoulders and contested catches on the perimeter. Uh, I, I didn't see a guy that was running his, and maybe it was, maybe it was uh, injuries. Maybe, maybe that. This is true. Also, we got to factor that in. That maybe we have to is, factor that in. That maybe was a leg injury a- too. So if you want to talk about explosion, a, a leg injury is certainly going to factor into that. But you definitely saw his potential. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to discount his ability as a blocker either. Just like Dave. Oh, no. They, he's also a very physical blocker. And he does very well in his assignments. And between the two of them, you can just have them trade off, like on wide receiver screens and just have each other blocking. It's, uh, it, I, I like their, their ability outside of just being receivers. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Um, I think... I agree with what you guys are saying that he definitely needed to do things a little bit faster. And I think this is a habit that he got from college because the Baylor offense, um, and it's kind of partly why I think he'll work so well with Zach Wilson is the Baylor offense was basically just built around him releasing down the boundary. And it would be if the DB stacking, then we're going to throw back shoulder. If the, if he slides into trail, then accelerate the top of the route and we'll throw it out ahead of you. Uh, you will throw screens off of it. And every now and again, they would run um, a bubble slant. And Denzel would come in on the slant and he would show off this really, really pretty dead, dead leg release where it looks just like that same outside release you guys were talking about where he's just get outside, trust my wingspan, basically like swim move to the outside and get and get vertical. And he puts his outside leg down on a dead leg and cuts back inside off of it and got like five yards of separation every time he did it. So I know that he can but he just needs to do it more and he needs to get more refined. And especially with receivers, it's all about getting to your spot as soon as you can. And, and that's definitely where he needs to work. But I think he really will. Like I said, I think he's going to flourish. I'm, I'm really excited for him. Hope yeah, he stays yeah. healthy. True. That's definitely true. All right. Well, that's going to take us to the next guy on the list. That's going to be Jamison Crowder. Uh, Matt, take it away. Sure. Uh, so speaking of dependable receivers, just like Davis, uh, let's talk about Crowder. So there has been a lot of talk about Crowder uh, eventually being cut to make room for more, getting more snaps. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't be more wholeheartedly against doing that. Um, like I said before, with uh, Moore and Mims, they're all projections at this point. We d- didn't see enough from Mims. We haven't seen anything from Moore uh, at this level. 
Uh, they aren't proven NFL talent. Crowder is a tried and true QB safety net. Crowder knows his way around NFL coverages. You can see it all the time with Sam Darnold last year, how he would break off routes or alter his routes just based off of what the defenses were offering him. And he also has a great understanding of where his teammates are on the field. And based off of that, he has an understanding of where the soft spots are going to be in these coverages. And he's able to just find them each time. And you, you can always see Sam always trying to find Crowder on the field. Where's Crowder? Where's Crowder? Nothing's open everywhere else. Where's Crowder? Where's Crowder? Crowder was his safety net. Um, and this is the kind of receiver that you want on this team right now. All right. Crowder is out of OTAs, of course, because they're trying to figure out his uh, his contract. Uh, you know, JD wants to keep him. He would have traded him earlier in the season if he if he didn't want to keep him. And he just doesn't want to pay that price tag right now. And I understand that. I mean, he's maybe the third or fourth wide receiver on this depth chart. And that, that price tag is, is pretty hefty. So, and you know, you won't be getting that on the open market either. So it makes sense. Bring him in at a, at a cheaper price, but what he offers this team right now and what he offers Zach Willis Wilson is pretty invaluable to have that kind of reliability in, in a receiver, somebody that will is always working back to that quarterback, working to be his safety net, and working to be his go-to guy. And he's got sneaky ability too. And he, yeah, he's short. He's not going to be the guy that's high pointing over everybody over six foot cornerbacks, but he's got sneaky speed. He's got great anticipation for coverages. He knows how to flourish. And I think that uh, LaFleur will have fun trying to use him in addition to all these other great talented wide receivers. Yeah, and it's not also like the Jets are in a hurry to cut him. You know, the Jets could keep Crowder, you know, let him work with Zach early in the season. The Jets don't know what Denzel Mims, what Elijah Moore are for sure. But if both of these guys play fantastic, they show you they need all the reps, you can trade Jamison Crowder for a contender, you know, close to the trade deadline. And you can get something from Crowder. You don't need to do it now. Let Crowder work with Zach, let him go to training camp, restructure his his deal if he's willing to, and then you just see how the season goes. If the Jets can easily just replace him with Elijah Moore and Denzel Bam's production on the outside, you do it, you know, you don't need to do it right now. Absolutely, yeah, there's absolutely no rush at all. There's, it makes no sense. I know people love more the, the more pick, but there's really no reason right now to jump to any conclusions that he's the, the, the next Tyreek Hill. All right. We, we can, we can make some great comparisons for him and love his ability from his tape in, in college, but we need to see so much more before we can gain enough confidence that we can be like, okay, maybe we can move on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we obviously we have to see Elijah Moore in more than just OTAs before we can come to any sort of conclusion. Um, and I certainly do think that having a reliable veteran receiver that is good at getting open and good at creating separation and finding the holes and zones is always valuable, especially for a rookie quarterback. But I'm going to, I'm going to play devil's devil's advocate really quick because the jets just can't pay Jamison Crowder $11 million. I mean, they can, but they really shouldn't be paying Jamison Crowder $11 million to be probably their three a like the jets are going to have, it's not even going to be a three or a four. Cause I think him and more are going to be splitting reps and splitting a role basically to where you're, you're going to pay $11 million for half of a role. And a guy you just drafted to fill that role in the second round. That to me says why they're doing this now. Because like you guys are saying, there is no need to rush. There is no need to do anything right now. Let's wait things out. Let's let's see. I would agree. Joe Douglas doesn't. Joe Douglas said, well, it's OTAs. We're about to start training camp. And Robert Sala said himself, he's not here because he's dealing with a contract. Well, he's under contract. So the only thing he could be dealing with is the Jets are asking him to take pay cut. They've clearly been ready to do that. And I it must speak to how much they believe in Elijah Moore to be you know, going right out and coming at it this full front this fast and, and this early. And it kind of makes me want to believe as well. Maybe that's the optimist in me, but 
I really think that I think the Jets like Elijah Moore even more than we continually say that they did. I mean, this is a guy that every time you hear about the talk, they just gush about. And I went back and, you know, call me a Homer fan, whatever. I went back, I watched the draft call with Robert Sava and Joe Douglas. And I called Elijah Moore the other day. Robert Sava bangs on the table. Let's go, man. That's not a guy that you drafted to be a, a, a just a half of a role player. That's a guy you got huge plans for. And, and I don't know if, if Crowder fits in those plans too right now. Would it be great to have him as a depth piece? Absolutely. Would, if Jameson Crowder is on the team this year, I'm perfectly on board with him. I, by no means am I saying the Jets should do this. But everything that they themselves have shown and if everything that the coaching staff has shown to want is kind of pointing towards them moving on sooner rather than later. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get to training camp and it doesn't take long before Crowder's traded. And it could be, you know, a fourth round pick to a contender that needs a, an, an extra piece of receiver. What if the Packers call and they offer are their third, which would likely be a later third and say conditional third. If he plays X amount of snaps to three X amount, it's a four. I'd probably take that I, to get the all, all eleven million dollars off the books. I have to look up the cap constraints to see if they would have any dead money. But I imagine most of the money off the books, and you get a, probably a solid high four, late three. I, I'll take that. That's that's fine with me. If Elijah Moore's that good, then then I'm I'm not against it. I mean, there's there's a lot of things with timing here. If right. if Crowder had one more year. I guarantee they would be restructuring this contract and not, and not asking him to take a pay cut. But since it's his last year, the only option is either uh, re-signing him or uh, extending him or re- or asking him to take a pay cut. And with more, I mean, yeah, they can gush about him. And I guarantee they didn't draft him for a half role position. No, but no. maybe that's they're okay with that for his first year, though. And really, that's all they would need him to take that that half roll for because Crowder is only has one year left. So I can see them looking long term like, yeah, we drafted this guy to be at the forefront of our offense, to be a stud, to be a star. And we don't need him to be that right away, though. We have the firepower. We have the guys here to sort of take that pressure off them to not have to be that right away. And we can do that with Crowder. Of course, price means something to JD, of course, or else they wouldn't even be yeah. asking him to take a pay cut. They would just be like, right, oh, they, let's have just go the cap they have the cap like, space if they want it. No, that's the thing is that's kind of why this is like, this kind of struck me a little bit because I really wasn't expecting it to be this early. If they had the money to just pay him the 11 for this year. If they wanted to, like if, if like what you're saying is true, which I don't disagree with that, they vision more being a great piece in the future. They're fine with him growing into his role in this year than pay Jameson Crowder, the 11 million to teach him how to like be a better slot receiver. And then you just let him go at the end of next year. Mm -hmm. It just, it doesn't make sense to me to, to be this upfront about asking him to take a pay cut unless you're comfortable with him going. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the jets are like either take the pay cut or we'll, we'll send you off. I wonder if it's more a precedence thing. Like, do you want to set a precedence with players like, or we're willing to overpay you just because we can? I feel like that might, that might set off some dominoes down the line, maybe that they don't want to have to deal with. So maybe this is, they're using this as an opportunity to be like, all right, we're always going to look at everybody for the price that we see them. And we're just going to stick by that no matter what, no matter who. I think it's more of that than than anything else. Cause I don't think this would be an issue of an overpay if we didn't draft Elijah Moore. Because if we didn't draft Elijah Moore, then he's just your starting slot receiver for eleven million and no one's batting an eye about it. Yeah, true. What do you think, Vitor? You know, I think that Joe Douglas likes Jameson Crowder, but he I agree with Andrew here. He loves Elijah Moore. So if there is a good offer and the Jets feel like they won't get a better offer for James O'Crowder, like 
if the Packers offer you a fourth-rounder fourth early in training camp, you trade Jameson Crowder, save $11 million, maybe get a cornerback, or just roll it over for next season and bat in right. Elijah Moore. I think, you know, Andrew said it, like, in our first draft episode that the Jets have had Elijah Moore as a Red Star player, they do, you know. You can see that they do. You can see that oh, yeah. he's being already used in OTAs. They are making him a part of the offense. He's catching passes over the middle. He's doing jet motion stuff. So I think it's going to be really, really hard to get Elijah Moore or to keep Elijah Moore off the field. So if the price is right, if Crowder isn't willing to restructure, I could definitely see Joe Douglas moving on for a hand and just saying, hey, we even got Killing Cole behind. We're going to roll with Mims, right. Davis, Moore, Cole, Barrios, Smith, and they're fine with saving 11 million. Well, that seems like a really good transition into Elijah Moore. Uh, Vitor, I'm going to let you handle that. Take it away. Yeah, you know, Elijah Moore, I'm, I'm not going to lie. The moment the Jets picked Moore, I wasn't like crazy about the pick because everyone around here, all three of us, really wanted to right? And we were all pretty comfortable with you know, rolling with Mems, uh, Crowder, Davis, Cole, but Elijah Moore was really the missing piece in his offense. The Jets didn't have a guy to excel in the Jets motion duty before getting Elijah Moore. The Jets did not have a true deep threat, a guy that can take the top of the defense before getting Elijah Moore. So by getting Elijah Moore at 34, the Jets, you know, the address that they need, and they just got a fantastic player. Elijah Moore is a guy that the Jets utilize early in the game to start their things because everything starts in the outside zone of this offense and the Jets are going to run outside zone of Elijah Moore. The Jets are going to keep Elijah Moore in the backside of outside zones to hold on the defense. The Jets are going to utilize Elijah Moore early if they want to take a shot. The Jets are going to get Elijah Moore early in the quick passing game if they're hoping for yards after the catch. He's a complete wide receiver that will fit in from day one. And another thing about Elijah Moore that I really, really like is that everyone always seems to praise about his character, right? He's a high-character player. He makes an impact everywhere he goes. And that's what the Jets are looking for. The Jets are looking for high-character players that impact the, the team off the field and on the field are skilled players that fit their offense, that fit what they're doing inside the, the Y line. So this is Elijah Moore, one of my favorite picks in the draft there after I rationalize it. And, you know, I think Andrew, Matt, you all agree with me here. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I've, I'm right there with you. Um, I've, we, we mentioned it more than once that the Jets needed their Debo and this is it. That's, that's all I, they needed someone who can take the top off deep. They got him. They needed someone who could run jet motion. They got him. They needed someone who can catch a receiver screen. They got him. They need someone who could be reliable over the middle and run option routes. They got him. Whatever you want this guy to do from that slot position, he can do it and he can do it really well. And I'm just, I couldn't be more excited for this pick. And the Jets coaching staff is, is what's making me so excited is the fact that they are so on board and that they are so just so dialed in with this guy. And it, it, Vitor, you nailed it. They, it's character every time they talk about it. It's it's that this dude just blew them, let alone with his play on the field and the type of fit that he is in the offense and what he can do as a player. That he blew them away with the type of person that he is, and that's that's a recipe for success. And when you have mentors like AJ Brown and DJ DK Metcalf, okay, sign me up, sign me up. I'm betting on that guy to succeed. The one thing you said there, reliability. We said it with Crowder. We said it with Davis. These are all reliable guys, and more fits that mold to a T. His contested catch rate uh, percentage in at Old Miss last year is seventy three percent. That's insane. Yeah, for a slot <laughs> receiver, crazy. Yeah. for a slot receiver, for a five nine hundred and seventy pound slot receiver, and he had a drop percentage of only two point three. That that's also extremely low. This is a highly dependable guy, uh, and. The, the the and he made a huge jump in the in these uh these stats from 2019 to uh, 2020, uh, so he, he, you see the growth rate that you want to see, and I 
I, I can't think of a better replacement if we do need to replace Crowder than with more because right. he's able to do what what Crowder can do and more. Absolutely. You know, you know what's great about more because these offense, you know, you're always trying to make everything look the same. So when you're trying to make everything look the same, you need a guy that can do everything. And that's Elijah Moore. You know, you can either run the jet motion with more. You can fake the jet, jet motion with more and let him run a wheel route. He gives you options. You don't need to keep changing your personnel to fit players to do different things and have a player that can do everything. And that's exactly what Elijah Moore can do. That's why he's a perfect, perfect fit for these offenses. I'm excited to see what they do when they're not even going to him. Just yes. using him as a decoy. Because eventually teams are going to catch on. Hey, Moore is the guy that we need to shut down. And that's going to open up for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I can. There's going to be fake reverse uh, pitch plays where Elijah Moore comes across one side on a jet motion and they run a pitch the other way to Michael Carter with the Kai Beckton leading out on the, on the kick out and Corey Davis crack blocking, as we talked about earlier, all these pieces just fit so well in the receiving core. And for the, the tough, you know, four guys that we've covered so far, a lot of people talk about, you want your receiving core to be like a basketball team and everyone's, you know, you got your, your point guard and your shooting guard, your power forward. And, and yeah, that's all well and good, but you want guys that fit the roles of your offense and the jets have them I, like this is let alone the talent that they have. It's specific talent, and that's really important. I agree. We got we got the full complement, and as long as they all stay healthy, they should mesh very well together. Yep, agreed. All right. Well, that is going to lead us to the fifth guy, uh, which is a recent free agent signing that I'm going to cover, and that's Keelan Cole from Jacksonville. Now, Keelan Cole is is a really interesting player. And a guy that I think actually might have a bigger role on this team than people maybe expect. One, because I think he's just talented and he's been hidden in Jacksonville where quarterbacks go to die. And the other part is that I think that he's another guy that fits the scheme really well. And he's already better than I think people give him credit for. Um, he, I didn't know this until just recently. Did you guys know that Keelan Cole returns kicks and punts? I didn't know that actually, no. <laughs> And he's doing that with the Jets, too. He's practicing with Elijah Moore and Jameson Crowder and I think Ashton Davis' punt returners. And he'll probably see some action potentially on kickoff, too. He had a 91-yard punt return last year. Impressive. We, if, uh, if we get rid of Barrios, hey. Right. Would, and Cole right in. Right. So special team is going to be a contributor there. On top of that, Keelan Cole made a name for himself. He was an undrafted rookie uh, in 2017 where he was against the Patriots and he made an absurd one-handed catch down the bat. Sure. You guys probably remember it. And if you have, if you haven't seen it, I advise everyone to look it up because it's honest to God, one of the best catches you'll ever see. It's that good. And he's made a couple of grabs like that throughout his career where he is just his body control and his concentration and his ability to catch in, you know, catching contest is, is really, really good. And it fits that mold of the receivers that we talked about earlier, where it fits the Corey Davis, it fits the Denzel Mims. Joe Douglas is a type when it comes to receivers. He he is not the type of guy that's going to want the Devontae Smith that's going to be the this 175 separator route runner. That's all well and good. And I love Devontae Smith as a prospect, not to bang him at all, but that's not Joe Douglas's flavor. Joe Douglas likes guys that can win contested catches. And Keelan Cole's another one. And because of that, for the same reasons, basically, I talked about with Denzel Mims, I think he can form a really good relationship with Zach Wilson. And then when the Jets get into trouble and when, you know, all else fails and they need to have their what's their go to, what's their get us out of jail free card, it's going to be throwing down the boundary. And Keelan Cole is another guy that I think will slide right into that role and potentially be the relief to a Corey Davis, a relief to a Denzel Mims so that they don't have to play 100 percent of the snaps on either end at X or Z. You have another guy that I honestly think could sub in for either of them in spot duty and come in and play pretty well when needed. Yeah, one thing you mentioned was contested catches. I'm looking at uh, his four years. I'm seeing 77%, 66%, 57% in contested catches. You know, if if you throw it up to him in those 50-50 plays, the coin's weighted in his his favor. So I'm, I'm all for it. 
you know, it was just a great value signing for the Jets. 100%. You, know? you can get a guy like Killing Cole, you know, if you need him to produce for you, you know, he can start. If someone gets hurt, he can rotate in and out and be just solid. And it got him for a year, $5 million. Great value signing. I think Joe Douglas saw it on the open market and said, hey, we got to sign this guy. He can return punts for us. He can return kickoffs for us. And they're going to draft a young quarterback, right? And if somebody gets hurt, he will step in and these offense won't miss a bit. Yep. So it's just a great value signing. You know, one of my favorite signings in the offseason. You know, not a big name, but a guy that I'm pretty sure will contribute this year. I could see him getting a second contract too. He's only 20 oh, yeah. years old. Uh, he's already he's in, only in for what, like five million this year, I believe. Something yes. on uh, yes. like five, five million. Small like that. And so, so yeah, if he can contribute, and I don't see him having such a big role that he's gonna like blow blow everybody out with his numbers, where he's gonna demand yeah. a, a huge contract after this year. Uh, so I could definitely see him just having the same role for the next three or three years, maybe three or four years. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I honestly got I think Joe Douglas stole stole from Jacksonville because this is an undrafted find that they should have kept. This is this is a guy that you know undrafted free agent receivers, especially in situations like the Jacksonville Jaguars have had since 2017, don't come in and produce consistently. Think of how many receivers the Jags have drafted over the last couple of years, and Keelan Cole is still producing. They draft DJ Chark, they draft Laviska Chenault, they draft DD Westbrook. They drafted a bunch of guys to try and stack the receiving core. And it was undrafted free agent rookie Keelan Cole that started 64 straight games. This is a guy I really, really think is just going to be better with a different opportunity. And it could absolutely be a guy that gets a second contract at the end of this year. I I think this is going to be one of those like Joe Douglas, hang your hat on free agent side. Because this is, this is shows I know what I'm doing because I go out and I find guys like, I get the combination of Corey Davis and Keelan Cole instead of just overpaying for Kenny Galladay. I agree. And special teams to boot. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of special teams, uh, that's going to lead us with our last little coverage. going to be a split role of Braxton Berrios and Vincent Smith. Vitor is going to cover that as our resident slot receiver guru. Uh, Vitor, take it away. Yeah, guys, you know, I'm going to present the way I see Vincent Smith and Braxton Berrios. And I'm going to ask you guys, who do you think will fit better in this offense? You see Barriers Bear is a good route runner. You know, he's a solid football player. He can play this lot receiver position really well. He won't take your edge. He won't take the top of your defense. He won't trap in your edge constantly because he's not that fast. But he's going to work this lot. He's going to play the middle of the field well. He's going to get some catches for you. He's going to be consistent. On the other hand, I have Vincent Smith, a guy who hasn't shown Absolutely nothing in the NFL, but he's fast. He's fast. He can take your jet sweeps. He scored a touchdown against the Philadelphia Eagles in 2019 on a jet sweep. He can take the top of your defense deep. He is also he also has deep speed. And he's a guy that Joe Douglas really liked. Last year, you know, under Gaze, the Jets were counting on Vincent Smith to be their number four wide receiver. But after Mims got, got hurt, he got hurt, everyone got hurt, and he didn't even play. So I'm making my case here for the Jets to cut Braxton Bears if they are not willing to keep seven receivers and keep Vincent Smith stat instead. Because if something happens to Elijah Moore, if Elijah Moore goes down, the Jets do not have a guy that can threaten the edge. And I believe Vincent Smith can. He has that speed. He can be used away. I feel like he can be a backup like, Kendrick Bourne was in San Francisco. You know, when Debo got hurt, yep. they used Bourne as a jet motion kind of guy and a guy who could also run some deeper route. So, what do you guys think? Yeah, uh, I am in 110% agreement with you, Vitor. You know who else they had in San Francisco for a little bit? Marquise Goodwin. And, yep. and speed. That's all he was speed. Didn't matter anything else, just speed. And you 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 hit the nail on the head because while Crowder can run some of the slot receiver routes and get open, and so can Barrios, and so can Moore, Elijah Moore is the only one of those three that can be an actual threat on the jet motion. And we've talked so much about how the threat is the most important part of all of it. 
is that if there's no threat to actually do anything with the ball in your hands, nothing matters. Vincent Smith will threaten the edge. He was able to get the edge on a reverse for 20 plus yards on Adam Gase's jets. Imagine what he'll do with some of these reverses. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going to go with the, the pride of limestone university, Vincent Smith. Uh, he's, he's definitely got that speed that you desire. And like you said, with Barrios, everything that he does, we've got people that can do the same exact thing and even special teams, as we just mentioned with Cole, but Vincent Smith, he adds that deep threat and he adds that speed that you just can't find anywhere else, especially in Barrios. He was a gay guy for what it's nothing against Barrios, but he was a gay guy. Yeah, he was. I mean, I'm not going to hold that against him. He he played his role and he played it all right. I, I remember seeing a lot of people online while Barrios was getting a lot of touches. Like, oh, we can replace Crowder with Barrios. Like, eh, I, I, no, <laughs> Let, let's not yeah. let's not do that. Let's not play that game. He's not he's not that good. All right, he does things well well enough, but on a team that actually has NFL depth for once, I don't see it. I agree. Yeah, and, and Andrew Killa, he was a Gaze guy. Gaze team was all about having his law receiver that could run routes. That, yep. That's why, you know, Jamison Crowder and Jarvis Landry were the main receivers in their respective offenses. And that's why when Braxton Barriers hit the field, he had some success. But in these offense, I think speed is the name of the game. And I yep. see Vincent Smith as a faster, as a more you know, he's a guy that Jets will be able to exploit more his skill set than Braxton Barrios. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I think that'll lead us a uh, really nice little closing here. I want to talk about the depth of the Jets receivers as a whole and the Julio trade. So you mentioned it earlier, but I do want to cover it since it did happen today, and I think it's a good idea to talk about it. Uh, first, let's just talk about the depth of the receivers as a whole. There was some talk on Twitter recently about the Jets having one of the deepest receiving cores in the NFL. And while I don't think it's that good, it is the deepest receiving core they have had in a very long time. And I think that is making fans more excited about it and wanting to be like, oh, it's so deep. It's, it's one of the deepest in the league. It's probably top 10. I don't know if it's the best, but it's it's certainly deeper than it has been in a very, very long time. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not close to Tampa Bay. I think Maybe the Giants have a deeper wide receiver group than the Jets. But I'd take Kansas City too. Yeah, Kansas City. But you know, in the early 2010s, we were watching Jess Schillens, Clyde Gates, and Cole running slants with Mark Sanchez checking it out to Tommy Bohannon. And right now, we'll have Mims, we have maybe Crowder, we have uh, Davis, we have Elijah Moore, we have Cole. And we have either Smith or Barrios. You know, all of those guys are NFL players, are guys that in the other teams, they maybe, they, they maybe not, they would make the roster. The Jets spent right. years playing players that wouldn't be in the league if not for the Jets. Oh, yeah. And this is, you know, this is a completely different war right now. We played against San Francisco that year with Josh Malone as our number one receiver, mm-hmm. and Chris Holden, who right now is playing lacrosse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's another war. And this is so important for Zach Wilson. You know, that's what we have said a billion times here in the podcast. Joe Douglas said his offseason is about one man, and this man is Zach Wilson. And yep. this offense, you know, being, being completely honest here, not trying to sound, sound like the greatest optimist fan ever, but if Zach Wilson clicks, this offense has tons of potential. It's a great offensive line in the left side with Potential on the right side with Fant and McGovern and this scheme. They can be really good. And they have skill players who can take the top of the defense. They can work the middle of the field that fit well with what Zach Wilson likes to do. So, you know, it's 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 great. It's exciting. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm going to harp on something that I feel like I've said over and over again is that Moore and Mims, they're still projections at this point. So we're talking about depth, but at the same time, when we're talking about the guys that we can rely on, the guys that have NFL experience that we know what we're getting, we only have three guys, and two of them are mostly slot guys, three and four options. And then you got Davis. Other than yeah. that, there's not much else. You got projection. So is it depth? 
or is it perceived depth? I think it's talent, and that's better than it has been in a long time. True, but that talent still needs to show up on tape Agreed. in the NFL before we can actually say it's what we need it to be. Yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, it's it, again, it's deeper than it has been in a long time. That wasn't a high bar to clear. No, it was not. <laughs> and Just having and three that, guys yeah. that have NFL experience is, is better yeah. than what we've had. Yeah, we can compare we can compare the the projected week one receivers for the last, including Zach Wilson, the last three rookie quarterbacks the Jets will have started. And you'll have Geno Smith throwing to the last year of San Antonio Holmes and Stephen Hill. Yep. You will have Sam Darnold throwing to Robbie Anderson and I, I legitimate Quincy for barely because he was hurt most of that yeah. year. Yep. So, so yeah. So Robbie Anderson and Chris Herndon for a few games and you have Zach Wilson with Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore are, are honestly any of the four of them outside of maybe Robbie. But at that point, Robbie was, you know, still young. Any of the four of them could be the number one receiver for any of the other Jets rookie quarterbacks. Absolutely. Without, without question. So yes, if we're saying compared to past re- Jets rosters and right. wide receiver rooms, head and shoulders above any of them. Right. Uh, but now if we're talking in relation to the rest of the league, I still would say we're near the bottom when it comes to depth. But yeah, at the I, same I, time, with potential right. to have one of the deepest. Yeah, it depends on how you view it. Yes. All right, well, let's talk about the Julio trade uh, because that happened today. I don't think anyone was expecting that to happen uh, today, but it did. Uh, funny enough, did anyone else notice that Julio Jones and Sam Darnold netted the same amount in a trade? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure exactly the same amount, if I'm not mistaken. I think we got a six back and they did not, but basically the same thing, right? The second and a fourth. I think they got a six back, too. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I, yeah. I think it, I think they did. I think it was literally the same trade where it was a player plus a four or a player plus a six for um, a second and a four. Yeah. You know, I thought Julio would, you know, would leave her first. I really thought that, but there's nothing like age and cash in this league. Right. If the teams aren't willing you to pay, willing to pay, Teams aren't willing to pay a 30-plus-year-old wide receiver like over $15 million a year. So, Does anybody know what the cap hit is for, for the Titans? They take all of his contract. They're taking all of it. So right now they have about $3 million in cap space. So I am very curious what they're going to do yep. to, to free up space. They and take all of his contract. Tennessee gets 7.7 in dead money. And I wonder if that makes some or not Tennessee, older, Atlanta, excuse me. And I wonder if that makes any of their older veterans a little bit uh, more available for trade. Also, I'm trying to go through good. the roster. Kevin Byard, anybody? Mm, yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly interesting. I'm going to revoke my Jets beat the Titans prediction from our schedule episode mm-hmm. because that was before this trade happened, and now I don't know how the Jets are going to cover. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. The Jets are going to beat the Falcons. Oh, and yeah, now Falcons. the Jets are going to beat the Falcons. Yeah, so there you go. Okay, yeah, even but, it out. But I think we had that one as a win for for the Jets, anyways, just because yeah. we, we we thought that if things were going to go wonky and crazy in in the in London, that it would probably go wonky in our favor. Yeah, the memes would indicate the Jets winning in London would be the meme thing to do. So by the power vested in memes, I think it was. <laughs> But hey, if our pass rush does what our pass rush is built to do, then yes, adding Julio adds something. But at the same time, our guys can maybe cover for that little bit of time and cover for uh, enough time for our defenders to to reach home with Tannehill. 
Yeah, it's uh, defensive line wins that game because they're going to basically have to stop Derrick Henry by themselves because you can't load the box. Yep. Very true. It just got a lot tougher, but I think it's still doable, but a lot tougher for sure. Yeah. 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 By no means am I going to call the the outright win anymore. That I'm, that I'm certainly optimistic on. I honestly do think it realistically, I think it's a solid trade for the, for the Titans. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering how they're going to get the, the, the contract figured out, you know, the salary and everything, but you know, they're in win now mode that that's yep. evident. And they're saying, you know, we have the chance to dominate the AFC South and get ourselves a decently high playoff bid. Let's go for it. I got to respect it. When you're in the window, take your shot. Yeah. And we don't know for how long Ryan, T- Ryan Tannehill will be able to play the way he's playing. You know, right. I don't think he's a elite quarterback. As some people say, he's in the top 15 for sure, but he needs to keep it up. And the Titans are making everything they can for Ryan Tannehill to keep it up indeed. Yeah, support your quarterback. It's a good recipe. Well, it was a little off topic at the end, but this has been a great show. Um, guys, any parting shots? I think we're I think we're good to get out of here, but if you guys got anything to add, by all means. Mims 1K season. Let's get it. Elijah Moore 2K all purpose. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. We're going spicy. Okay. Um, Corey Davis, 14 touchdowns. Sounds good. I like it. Wow, that'd be impressive going from never having a season more than five touchdowns to having 14. That would be uh, I think when the Jets get within really this is I'm glad we brought this up. Actually, I'm going to end on this and we'll get out of here. It's not going to extend us any longer. When the Jets get within 30 yards, it's going to be four birds and they're just going to say adjust to the ball. Someone get open and adjust to the ball. It'll be like first down. We're inside. We're inside 30. We're throwing a shot at the end zone. And I can just see Corey Davis catching nine of those this year. Yep. I like it. Uh, well, all right, guys, this has been the Oklahoma Drill Podcast, our wide receiver position preview. Next week, we are going to be going over the offensive line and the tight ends. It's going to be a lot of fun there as well. Had some big new additions like Barrett Tucker, uh, Dan Feeney's chugging beers at Islanders games, which is awesome to see. It's going to be a lot of fun to break down. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.